Well, good morning, everyone. How are you guys doing today? All right, excellent. Thank you all so much for braving the cold, the snow, the wind chill, and we are Buffalonians, and so it's going to take a little bit more than maybe eight inches of snow and some wind chill to keep us from church, especially on Baptism Sunday, when we get to celebrate the life change that's happening here. And yes, I do have fluffy hair when I don't have product in it. Thank you very much, my lovely wife. I had fluffy hair because I was wearing a hat because I snowblowed my driveway at four o'clock this morning so that we could get out and get to church. And uh, as she said, I came here, then went home, had to get dressed, get ready and all that stuff and took the hat off and it was like, like I stuck my finger in a light socket or something. But it is so good to have all of you here today. If you're new here, my name is Pete and I serve as the lead pastor and just excited to have you joining us as we continue this series uh, called Goals, kind of, you know, in line with what so many of us do at the beginning of the year as we take stock of and evaluate our lives and maybe set some goals. And I was thinking this week, though, about goals and find it funny and ironic how the punishments we're given as kids when we misbehave you know, wind up being the goals that we set when we're adults. Maybe you've seen this, this meme on Facebook, but I don't know if you know what I'm talking about. Like when you misbehave and your parents are like, go to your room, or you got to go to bed early tonight, or you can't go to that party. As an adult, I'm thinking, that sounds awesome. Sounds like hashtag goals, right? <laughs> but no, we are, uh, why are we doing this series? Uh, for me, as your pastor, I could sum it up in one word. I wanted to do this series at the beginning of the year because I don't want you to just go through life. I want you to grow through life. And goals is one of the ways that helps us grow through life. But as we've been learning throughout the series, having a goal doesn't determine whether or not you arrive at your goal. Because in intention, intentions are great. We all have great intentions, but we're learning through the series that it's direction, not intention that determines our destination. We wanna make sure that you're heading in the right direction as you set your goals to make sure that you're going to move forward and accomplish those goals. So in case you missed any of the past couple of weeks, I just wanna quickly recap for you what we've talked about. In week one, Pastor Bath talked about how the power of gratitude can help shape and steer our lives as we set and move towards our goals. And then last week, I talked from John 4 and the story with Jesus, with the woman at the well, and how we need to not be so nearsighted and focused and absorbed on ourselves and our goals, our wants, our wishes, and instead, we need to kind of open our eyes to the people around us and set some goals around making an impact in their lives as we set our goals. And so that was the last two weeks, but today, as we continue the series I want to talk about what, for me, is maybe one of the most important factors as it relates to goals. So the G was gratitude, the O was open your eyes, and today the A in goals is about alignment. How do we align our lives so that we're moving in the right direction so that we can accomplish the goals that we set out for? Because the reason that so many of us fall short of accomplishing our goals is because our lives are not in alignment, Kind of in the same way that our cars run more smoothly and require less energy to go faster and farther when our wheels are in perfect alignment, so too our lives work better when our dreams, our wants, our wishes, our emotions, our feelings, our relationships are all in alignment with the goals that we've set out and more importantly, the goals that God has for us. 
And in the same way that our car, when it's not in alignment, kind of veers off, it either drifts to the left or drifts to the right. You know what I'm talking about? When you need an alignment, our lives too of direction, not intention determines destination. If you're not in alignment, you might have a goal to get somewhere, but if you're not in alignment, you're going to be kind of veering and shifting off course. And we want to make sure that our lives are in alignment with what God has for us, his principle, his word, his will, and his ways. Because so many of us, when we start out the year and we make our goals, we say, here's my list of goals, God, can you help me accomplish them? And I'm suggesting that maybe instead we should approach our goals by saying, God, what are your goals for my life? What is your purpose and plan for my life? And help me to come into alignment with what you have for me. Because direction, again, not intention, determines destination. So I want to spend some time today talking about how we keep our lives in alignment for God's purpose for us. I heard a story this week of a guy, a pastor in a church in Houston, Texas, uh, Hope City Church. Jeremy Foster pastors that church. And several years ago, he had the privilege of escorting Dr. Miles Monroe uh, from one speaking engagement to another. And if you've been around for very long in the church world, then you know who Dr. Miles Monroe is. Uh, tremendous man of God, just a renaissance man who uh, had a great anointing on his life. And there was this time where he had several speaking engagements and Jeremy was responsible for taking him from one speaking engagement where he was talking to business leaders at 5 p.m., then preaching at a church at 7 p.m. And then the next morning had to fly out where he was going to speak to the South African Congress. And so he is, uh, he's his escort. And so, you know, he's talking at the first engagement and uh, he's going a little bit long, and Jeremy's like, man, we got to go. You don't know what Houston traffic is like, so can you speed this up? I mean, everything you're saying is awesome, but man, we got to go. And so finally, he finishes speaking and gets him in the car. Dr. Miles, you know, sits in the back seat and very calmly, not in a rush, just opens his Bible. And just as, as Pastor Jeremy is about to step on the gas to try and, you know, get him to his next destination, uh, Dr. Miles says, wait a minute. He's like, we got to go, man. What do you mean? Wait a minute. He's like, I believe we have a police escort. And sure enough, just then the police arrive and, you know, the policeman looks at uh, Jeremy and says, you know, just stick with me and I've got you. And he's like, okay, I got you, man. We're good. And so they haul out of there, like pulling four G's, driving 90 miles an hour on the throughway through Houston traffic, dividing traffic like Moses divided and parted the Red Sea. And they came up on this one car that, you know, you know what I'm talking about when somebody is completely oblivious to what's happening on the road and they're not paying attention to the lights and the sirens and they don't move over. And you're like, come on, like get out of the way. And so the policeman who's on a motorcycle kind of pulls up right next to this car and starts hitting the, the hood of the car and, you know, yelling some very life-giving things at the driver as he's <laughs> telling him to move over and pull over. And the car like veers out of the way when he finally realizes what's happening. And Dr. Miles, very calmly from the back seat, who had never looked up this whole time, had been reading his Bible, turns to Pastor Jeremy and says, did you see that? I didn't know you saw it, bro. Like, you've been reading your Bible the whole time. And he's like, well, what do you mean? And uh, Dr. Miles says, what you just saw was the difference between power and authority. He said, your vehicle has the power to get you anywhere you want, as fast as you want. But it's when you're in alignment with the authority in front of you that will open doors that you cannot open for yourself. What I want you to know this morning, church, is that this book, God's Word, the Bible, is not a book of destiny. It's a book of decisions. 
See, God is in control of your destiny, but he's put you in control of your decisions. And it's up to us if we're going to decide to align our lives with his word, his will, and his ways so that we can come under the authority of God and bring our lives into alignment with him so that he can open doors that we can't open for ourselves. Some of you need to say amen at that. See, God has a great personal plan for your life and for my life, but it's up to us to bring our lives into alignment with his will and his purpose for us. Another example that might help you understand the importance of alignment as it relates to goals is how many of you ever go to a chiropractor? Anybody visit a chiropractor? A good number of you. I know my wife visits a chiropractor pretty regularly. I don't. I don't know why. I just have never really gotten into that habit. But I do from time to time. Uh, we'll go for a massage. And my sister-in-law, who's here today, is a massage therapist. And she uses a lot of the same verbiage and language that I hear my wife use when she comes home from the chiropractor when it relates to some different areas of pain that she's experiencing. And, you know, she'll go to the doctor. It's funny how, you know, I'll come home after church on a Sunday and my sister-in-law will come over and she'll say, Pete, I can tell by the way you were walking or the way you were standing that you've got some issues in your back. Your back is out of alignment. And chiropractors are all about helping your spine to be in alignment. And, you know, and I'll, I'll go for a massage and, you know, my massage therapist will say, well, like, do you have any problem areas? And I'll, and I'll say, well, like, I got this issue up here. I got this pain point right here. And, and they'll say, like, well, that might be where your pain is, but your problem is over here. And it's called referred pain. And we want to, you know, we think the problem is the pain. The problem is alignment, we want to treat the, the pain, but we're not in alignment. And I think our lives are that way too. And so I can't think of anything more important as it relates to our lives and the goals that we bring our lives into alignment, that we stop trying to treat all of the different pain areas in our life and instead figure out where is my life out of alignment. So I want to help us do that today, which is one of the goals for Growth Path, that's why we've, you know, developed this, these sessions so that you can help discover how God has uniquely wired you. There are people right now in step two of Growth Path that are taking a personality profile assessment and, you know, taking a spiritual gifts test so they can discover how has God wired me? What is his purpose and plan for my life? Because your design reveals your destiny. And so it's important that we discover God's purpose for our lives. And we want to help you take steps to discover that so that you can truly be both fruitful and fulfilled. If you've not yet signed up for Growth Path, I would highly encourage you to do that. But before I talk about how we bring our lives into alignment with God's purpose, I want to give you three reasons why alignment is so important in our lives. Because I can't think of anything more important that brings definition to your marriage, to your family, to your job, to your money, to your kids, to, to your time, than understanding and knowing God's purpose for you. So why is alignment so important? Number one, we have to understand because I have a purpose. You have a purpose. It's not just preachers like me who have a purpose from God. We all have a God-given purpose, and I believe that each one of us, all of us collectively, have one kind of overarching purpose for our lives, and that's to know God and to make him known. The ultimate goal and end of our lives should be to glorify God. But I also believe that God has a very specific and unique plan for each and every single one of you, which we're going to talk a little bit more about in just a couple of minutes here. But we have to understand that we have a purpose in your life will never make sense. And you will always, has, you will always have pain 
and problems in areas of your life until you realize that you've got to bring your life into alignment around your purpose. And so David kind of speaking to God writes in Psalm 139 verse 16 when he says, all the days that you have ordained for me were written in your book before even one of them came to be. Now, if you're anything like me, I've added a few chapters to my life that were not written by God. You know what I'm talking about? And some of you are like, yeah, I've messed up my book and I've added some chapters. But what I want you to know today is that God has the very unique ability in his sovereignty to cause the last chapters that he writes for your life fit, no matter how many chapters you've added to your life that weren't part of his plan. That's what our God does. But this idea of purpose in our lives is so huge. You might think it's too late for you. You might think you've messed your life up too bad. But if you'll bring your life into alignment with his purposes for you, he can give you purpose and destiny and direction. That direction will determine your destination. Paul says it this way. And if you want to talk about a guy, you know, who added some chapters to his life that weren't part of God's plan for him, it was Paul. He was persecuting and even killing Christians until he met the risen Christ who realigned his life with the purposes for which God made him and put him on this planet. So Paul writes this to the Ephesian church. He says, and this is one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible, for we are God's workmanship. The original language there for the word workmanship carries this idea of a specially crafted masterpiece, that you are a one-of-a-kind work of art that's been created in Christ Jesus not just to exist, not to go to work and to pay bills, not to go on vacation. You were created in Christ Jesus to do good works. And watch this, which God prepared in advance for you to do. You have a God-given purpose. In other words, God had a thing to do in mind before he created you. He didn't just create you and be like, well, what am I going to do with Pete now? He's kind of odd, kind of lanky, you know, quirky personality, what, what, what can I have for him? No, he had a very specific work that he had in mind, which is why he shaped and fashioned you the way he did so that you could accomplish the purpose for which he made you. That's why we need to live by design, not by default. See, too many of us let life come to us and we just have this laissez-faire attitude about life instead of attacking life and realize that you, your design reveals your destiny and it's up to us to live life on purpose for a purpose. The second reason it's so important is because there is competition for my time and attention. How many of you know that to be true, right? So many things are vying for our time and attention. Media, Social media is a big one for me, constantly pulling at me. Check the notifications, the red bubble on Facebook. Got to clear them out, right? So many things competing for my time and attention. My job, you know, your kids. How many of you know credit card companies have a plan for your life, right? If you let someone else define your life, they will. If you don't decide how you're going to live your life and where you're going to spend your time and attention, the rest of the world will decide for you. So we need to be careful because we start adding things to our lives that, that aren't good for us or distract us from our purpose. And to me, the bottom line is that I think most of us are just trying to do too much. We're buying too much. We're trying to fit too much in. We've bought into this mantra, mantra that culture and society tells us, which is that more is better, right? More is better. We, we hear this all the time. 
Like if $1 is good, $2 are? Come on, help me out. I need some feedback and response on this. If one Krispy Kreme is good, two Krispy Kremes are? Right. If one car is good, two cars are? Right. If one kid is good, two kids are? Not as many people (laughs) said better on that one. (laughs) If one wife is good, two wives are? Wrong. Don't you dare say better. They're wrong. We're trying to do too much. I believe it was Lisa Turkhurst who authored the book, The Best Yes, who said an overwhelmed schedule will, will produce an underwhelmed soul. The more we try to fit in, the less satisfied we get with life. Solomon said it this way in Ecclesiastes chapter 4. He said, better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. He's saying more isn't always better. In fact, a lot of times more only leads to toil and chaos because there's competition for our time. We've got to learn the principle of addition by subtraction. That before I, in order to say yes to the best things in life, if I'm going to keep my life in alignment with God's purpose for me, then I've got to learn how to say no to the things that are going to distract me from God's purpose so that I can say yes to what's most important. Which leads me to the third reason alignment is so important. And that is because time is short. Time is short. And this is true on two levels. Number one, for your life. The older I get, the more I realize how quickly this life goes. Parents know this to be true. I mean, I can remember the day my kids were born like it was yesterday, and they're already seven and eight. I'm like, where did the time go? And those of you who've sent kids off to college know just how true this is, that, you know, you are one day closer to death today than you were yesterday. Isn't that an encouraging thought? Welcome to church. I'm Pete. I'm here to encourage you. (laughs) Like, you're rapidly moving towards your death. Life is short. Here and then gone. But this is also true on another level, and that's before Jesus comes. See, I'm not an eschatologist. I don't claim to be an expert on end times and all of that stuff, but I can read my Bible. And I was just reading in my Bible the other day. I don't know how many of you are following along with us in our new through 30 reading plan, but I'm, you know, two or three days behind schedule. Um, But I was just reading the other day that the disciples were asking Jesus, you know, when will the end come? And he was sharing with them, when you see this, this, and this begin to happen, look up for your redemption draws near. And when I look at the things that Jesus explained would be present before the end comes, I I see that every one of them is about or is being fulfilled. Now, regardless of what you believe about the end times and all that stuff, because I know that Christians for the last 2,000 years have always thought that they're living in the last times. The disciples thought that they were living in the last days. But I personally believe that we are living in the last of the last days. But regardless of what you believe about the end times, the truth of the matter is, no matter how you look at it, the time you have left on this earth is very limited. Time is short. Why don't we make the most of the time that we have? There's no room for us to have this laissez-faire kind of attitude, let life come to me and whatever happens, happens. No, James, the half-brother of Jesus, said it this way in his book. He says, now listen, those of you who say, you know what, today or, you know what, maybe tomorrow I'm going to go to this, no, I'm going to go to that city instead and we'll carry on business and and make money. This laissez-faire, like whatever happens, I'll do that or I'll do this, I'm not sure. 
James says, why, you don't even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You're a mist that's here for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, he says, you ought to say, if it's the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. Like, I'm going to find out what God's will is for my life, and I'm going to give myself to that. That's what I'm going to spend my time doing. Time is short. How would you spend your time today if you knew that you were going to die tomorrow? It's an interesting, like, important perspective or filter to kind of process our, our decisions through when it comes to like, if I knew that today was going to be my last day on this earth, if I knew that the stuff I did today was going to be the stuff that would be remembered about me long after I'm gone, how would I spend my time? What would I do today? Interesting thing to think about. Time is short. So now that we understand why alignment is so important, I want to talk for a few moments now about how we bring our lives into alignment with our purpose. I'm going to give you four things. If you're taking notes, you might want to jot this down to help move in the direction of your goals and purpose. Because again, direction, not intention, determines your destination. And you've got to be aligned if you're going to move in the right direction. If you don't want the car, your life, you know, veering off, you've got to make sure that you're in alignment. Now, I would say this, that these four principles I'm, I'm about to give you will work regardless of whether or not you're a Christian. So if you're here as somebody who's just curious about faith or you're just checking things out, you're trying to figure out who this Jesus thing is and all of that, that's fine. We're glad you're here. And I would say that if you apply these four principles to your life, you will move closer to your goals. These principles work no matter if you're a person of faith or not, but ultimately, obviously, as a church, we believe you won't find your true satisfaction or true potential until you bring your life into alignment with God's plan and purpose for your life. And we hope that you'll make that decision to do that because God's got a great plan to give you a hope and a future. So here we go, four things to do to align your life with your goals. The first one is you've got to decide what's important. Decide what's important. For most of us, our lives are not being defined by what's important. It's being defined by what's urgent. And for too many of us, we allow the urgent things that happen in our lives to trump what's really important. We let life happen to us rather than deciding what's important and spending our time doing those things. So we need to establish priorities in our lives and write them down and display them so that we can hold ourselves accountable, say, like, these are my priorities, and I'm going to spend my time devoted to what's really important in life. And you look like you could use a little bit of a joke right here. And so I heard a joke this week about um, a guy who had just bought a brand new Lexus and uh, drove it to work and wanted to show it off to all of his colleagues. And he pulls up right in front of his office on the street, opens the door, and just then a truck comes by and takes off the door. And so he immediately grabs his cell phone, calls 911, and within three minutes, the police officer is there. And, you know, the guy gets out of his, his brand new Lexus that he wanted to show off that day. And he's ranting and he's raving. He's like, can you look, can you believe this? Like, it's never going to be the same again, no matter how good of a job the body shop does. And, and the police officer looks at him kind of in bewilderment, like, I can't believe how materialistic you are. And the guy says, what are you talking about? Look at my car. And, and the police officer, after the guy calms down, says like, Seriously, dude, like, did you not realize that your arm is missing from the elbow down? The truck took your arm off. And he looks down. He's like, oh, my gosh, where's my Rolex? I think the guy's priorities were a little bit out of line, right? I don't know. 
I thought it was a good one. First service laughed a little better. Paul wrote this in his letter to the Philippians. He says, but whatever was to my profit, whatever I used to think was important, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the, I love this phrase, the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I've lost all things. Those things I used to chase after that I thought were important, they're garbage, they're trash. I consider them rubbish in order that I might gain Christ. You know, like Paul, I think there's a lot of us here today who've chased after things that we think will profit us. Whatever was to my profit, whether it's money, power, prestige. You know, if you're a student here today, maybe it's popularity, wearing the latest fashions, being accepted by your peers. Whatever was to my profit, we've chased after things that we think are important, that we think are going to benefit us. But listen, once you've tasted of the love of Jesus, you discover the surpassing greatness of knowing him. And the only way you'll discover the surpassing greatness of knowing him is by going all in with him. See, some of you have kind of stayed in the shallow waters of Christianity, kind of checking things out. And you're like, you know what? This seems kind of cool. I think this might benefit my life. But, you know, you just kind of, you, you want to stay in control. You want to keep the, you know, grips on your steering wheel and make the decisions for your life. But it's not until you totally surrender your life to him and ask him, God, what is your purpose and plan for my life that you discover surpassing greatness? Until you do that, you're missing out on the surpassing greatness of knowing Jesus, which to me is the most important thing in life. You've got to make time for what matters most. Make him number one. You've got to decide what's important. The second thing we do to bring our lives in alignment is give calendar time to the important things. So first we define what's important, then we give calendar time to what is important. Now I realize that that is not a very profound statement, but it's amazing to me how many people will say that they have, you know, values or will tell you what's important to them that never shows up on their calendar. To me, it's not a value unless it's on your calendar. You could say it's important, but unless you're giving time to what you say is important, then it's not really a value. Like for me, marriage is a value. It's important. And so I'm very intentional about giving calendar time to invest in my marriage. So date night is a non-negotiable. Every month, I make sure that my wife and I are going out on a date so that we can spend quality time together. The same is true with my relationship with my kids. I make sure I've got blocks of time on my calendar devoted to spending time with my family. Because a lot of things will pull at your attention. Same is true in your relationship with God. If you want to grow in your relationship with God, you've got to give calendar time. I've got reminders that pop up my phone throughout different times of the day for the different things that I've said are important to me. And at 6 a.m. every single day, I get a reminder that buzzes says, spend time with God. Maybe you need to do that too. Schedule the things that are important to you. Because if you don't manage your schedule, other people will. If you don't manage your schedule, your schedule will manage you. Moses wrote in Psalm 90 verse 12, in the Living Bible, it says it this way, teach us to number our days and to recognize how few they are. Help us to spend them as we should. Because when we count our days, we make our days count more. Make time for the things that matter by putting it on your calendar. 
That would be a great prayer to pray when you wake up every single day. God, give me wisdom to know how to spend my time today. I know I have limited time. Help me to make the most of the time that I have. And as you give your calendar time to important things, I'm going to suggest to you really quickly three things that you should definitely make time for. These are non-negotiables to me. Number one, make time for renewal. You've got to refresh yourself. Because listen, some of you are working too hard. You're working way too hard. And you've got to understand the principle of the Sabbath, where you've got to take a day to slow down and rest. And some of you think that the Sabbath is maybe just a day off. And I've been challenged recently by going through this book, been taking the staff through this book called The Emotionally Healthy Leader, written by Peter Scazzaro. And, you know, he, his premise in this book is that spiritual matur- maturity is inseparable from emotional health, that we can't really grow with God if we remain emotionally stunted and unhealthy. And so he has this belief that there are four core inner convictions and foundational principles that need to be in the life of every person if we want to grow spiritually. And so I wanted to read just a a quote or two from this book to you about the importance of understanding the principle of the Sabbath, which is one of the four inner disciplines that he suggests every person needs to have in their life. Because it's not just a day off, guys. And the Sabbath precedes the law as well. He says this about the Sabbath. Biblical Sabbath is a 24-hour block of time in which we do four things. We stop work, enjoy rest, practice delight, and contemplate God. Then he says this. Keeping the Sabbath is a core spiritual discipline, an essential delivery mechanism for God's grace and goodness in our lives. It provides God-ordained way to slow us down for meaningful connection with God, ourselves, and those we care about. You gotta make time for renewal. You gotta stop all paid and unpaid work. We, we look at our day off as a time to get caught up on you know, work around the house or paying bills or doing this or doing that. Really, Sabbath is intended to be a 24-hour block of time where you stop all work, paid or unpaid, so that you can rest. Because just because you're not working doesn't mean you're actually resting. So you stop, you rest, maybe take a nap, you know, Take it easy. And then you experience delight. In other words, have fun. Too, mu- too many of us are way too serious and work way too hard. And I discovered through going through this that I don't know how to have fun. Like, I don't even really, somebody asked me the other day, like, what are your hobbies? And I'm like, that's a good question. I need to get me some hobbies. It's a day to experience renewal by having fun. And so give your time to the things that are bringing joy and fulfillment into your life. And then lastly, it's a day to contemplate God. Maybe read a little bit more, spend a little bit of extra time in prayer and ask God to reveal himself to you in a way that you maybe haven't considered before. Paul says it this way in 2 Corinthians 4, 16, therefore we do not lose heart. That's easy to say because I feel like I'm losing heart a lot. Though outwardly we are wasting away. It's like, man, I feel like I'm wasting away every single day as people and and demands are pulling at my time and attention. Outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly, he says, we are being renewed day by day. We've got to make time for renewal. Next thing we need to make time for is relationships, first and foremost with God. If you're not giving God the first of your day, your priorities are out of line. We've got to make time for family, for your spouse and your kids. Make time for friends. See, one of the most important decisions of your life after serving God are the people you choose to do life with. 
There's a quote out there. I'm not sure who says it, but uh, I've heard it said, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Right? Which is why we as a church believe that life is better together. We're a church of small groups. And so we want to say that if growing with God, if growing spiritually is a goal of yours this year, I would suggest that you can't grow spiritually if you're not connected relationally. And so if you're not currently in a small group, I want to encourage you next month, we're going to be launching some new groups. And I would encourage you to make it a priority because so many people use the excuse, well, I don't have time. There's too many other things that are on my schedule. Well, it's too important to not make time for relationships, to do life with other people who are seeking after God and we're going to help keep you accountable and help you, you know, go through the low times and really help you celebrate the good times. So we make time for relationships. And lastly, we make time for reward. Yes, you've got to treat yourself, treat yourself every now and then to enjoy the journey. But I'm not just talking about like a work hard, play hard kind of thing. I'm actually talking about making time for things that bring eternal reward. Because listen to me, we're all going to stand before God one day and give an account for how we've spent our time, our talents, and our treasure. And I want to make sure that you know, as, my, as your pastor, I've done everything I can to encourage you and equip you to make sure that you've spent your time on things that will bring eternal reward. And I can't think of a better way to do that, at least within the context of what we do here at church. If you're a part of this church, then by serving on the dream team, by being a part of, you know, the team of people that, that creates the environment and sets the table for people to come and experience God where life change is happening. Man, I was so proud to be a part of this church when I drove up onto the lot and I saw people shoveling snow in the cold to make sure that there were parking spaces for you when you got here. And I don't know about you, but I'd like us to give a round of applause to our dream team because they, they're knocking it out of the park and they are serving. They are people who don't just come to church to get they come to church to give. They recognize that we are the church and we exist for the world. We make time for reward. Jesus said this in Matthew 6, verse 19 and 20. He says, don't spend time storing up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and vermin destroy and thieves break in and steal, but instead spend your time storing up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Make sure you do things that matter eternally. So decide what's important. Number two, we give calendar time to the important things. And the third thing we do to bring alignment to our lives is to eliminate the non-essentials. Eliminate the non-essentials. All of us have non-essentials in our lives. But if we're going to align our lives with our purpose, we need to try to eliminate as many of the non-essential things as we can. See, some of us need to take inventory of, you know, what we do in life. And some of us have to-do lists, like these are my things that I need to do today. And I would suggest that maybe you need to have a not-to-do list. Like these are the things to not do, to not give my time to, because they're not important. We eliminate the non-essentials. The writer of Hebrews says this, let us throw off everything that hinders Everything that's not going to help me accomplish my goal, everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles us so that we can run with perseverance the race marked out for us. We eliminate the non-essentials. I've shared with you the story of how when my wife and I set out on a journey for four or five years ago to really get out of debt and, you know, bring our lives into alignment with what God wanted for us financially to live in financial freedom. 
We had to eliminate some non-essential things. And one of those things we determined was non-essential was having two vehicles. And so as much as it was an inconvenience at times, we recognized that if I want to accomplish this goal, we've got to eliminate everything that's not absolutely essential to my life. And so I would just ask you, what is non-essential in your life right now that you could eliminate that would help you move closer to your goal? It's true in our calendar schedule. Take a look at the appointments that you have, the things that fill your time. What needs to go? Your relationship with God, this is true as well. What's not essential? What's keeping you from stepping into your God-given purpose and potential? I would suggest that there might even be some relationships and some people in your life that are not essential. That are not only not essential, they're actually like detracting you or deterring you from realizing what your God-given purpose is. So maybe some of you need to consider that and maybe have a conversation and just say, you know what, I love you, brother, but my life is going this way, you're going that way, you're welcome to come with me. I think it's the adventure of a lifetime, but right now I want to make sure that I accomplish what God has put in my heart to do. The next thing we need to do, the last thing to bring alignment into our lives is to regularly take inventory. A great question to ask yourself almost every day, every week is, where is my life out of alignment? Could it be that these pain points I'm experiencing are not really the problem? Maybe it's just referred pain. Where am I out of alignment? And the way you take inventory is by first of all asking God. Because how many of you know we can lie to ourselves? We can deceive ourselves about where we're out of alignment. So David wrote in Psalm 139, he said, Search me, God. Know my heart. Test me. And know my anxious thoughts. He's saying, take inventory, God, and see if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. So we ask God first, and then we've got to do the hard work of, you know, examining ourselves, taking inventory ourselves. Paul wrote it this way in his letter to the Galatians when he wrote this. If anyone thinks they are something when they're not, they deceive themselves. He says, each one should test their own actions. What's he saying? He's saying we need to take inventory of the way we're living. What are the things we're doing? This way, we can take pride in ourselves alone. This is the good kind of pride. You can be proud of the accomplishments, the goals that you set out to achieve without comparing ourselves to others. I think the problem for so many of us is we look at other people's accomplishments or achievements or goals and we're like, well, I want that. I want to do that. That seems like they're really fulfilled in life and no, God has a very specific and unique plan and purpose for your life. Don't compare yourself to others. Test your own actions. What are you giving your time to? And so as I prepared this message, I came across something that I wrote down is going to be a new discipline for my life this, this year as a way of taking inventory. This comes from Wayne Cordero's book, Leading on Empty. And I'm going to show you 10 areas of my life that I'm going to monthly review as a way to kind of examine how am I doing in these 10 areas. And if you are taking notes, I would encourage you to maybe just take a picture of the screen when it comes up because I'm going to go through them really quickly. But number one is my faith life. How's my relationship with God at? Number two, my marriage life. How's my relationship with my spouse? Number three, my family life. My relationship with my kids and immediate family. Number four, my work life. If you're a student, this would be your school life. My digital life, how much time am I spending on screens? I know that one is going to be one that's going to be challenging for me. My ministry life, how am I helping others? 
my financial life? How are my personal finances? My social life? Am I making time with friends? My attitudinal life? Do I need an attitude check? And lastly, my physical life? Am I taking care of myself? My goal is once a month to review this and revisit this list and actually grade myself. And I would encourage you, maybe you want to write some of these down. Maybe you want to make up your own list, but it's important that you have a list and you regularly check in on that list and say, how am I doing? How am I doing? And then I'm going to write down one sentence about how I can do a better job in that area next month. I'm going to regularly take inventory of my life. Some of you might say, you know what? This all sounds great, Pastor Pete, but you don't know what a mess I've made of my life. You don't know what I've been through. You don't know what happened to me. My life is so far out of alignment, I don't know that it can be brought back into alignment. Can I just encourage you with this quote that I found from C.S. Lewis? You may not be able to go back and change the beginning, but you can start where you are and change the ending. You can't change what happened to you. You can't change what has happened in the past, what you've done in the past. But you can make a decision right now to change the direction you're heading, which will change the destination you arrive at. You can change the ending by starting where you're at right now. If you would decide to align your life with God's purpose and plan for you by bringing your life into alignment with him, by placing your faith in Jesus Christ, no matter what chapters have been written in your past, he can begin writing a new chapter for you and give you a new direction to give you a hope and a future. And that's why so many people are making the decision to get baptized today because they've said yes to Jesus. And one of the ways we acknowledge our alignment with Jesus, one of the ways we keep our lives in alignment with him is by going public with our faith. Because even Jesus got baptized and we're called to follow his example. Peter wrote that we should repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of sins. And so baptism is a way for us to just let the world know that we've aligned our lives with him. It's symbolic of identifying with Jesus, who after he was crucified on the cross, was put into a tomb. And when we go into the water, it's just like we are dying to our old sinful nature. And then when we come up out of the water in the same way that Jesus came up out of the tomb, we are raised to new life in Christ. The old has washed away, the new has come. We're aligned with Jesus. And that's what people are going to do today. And we're going to celebrate the decision that they've made to go public with their faith, to tell the world that I belong to Jesus. And maybe you're here today and say, you know what? I'm tired of making a mess of my life by trying to write my own story. Today, you'll have the opportunity to surrender the control of your life to him and let him begin writing your story. All you need to do is confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and you'll be saved. And then you're in alignment. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you that right now you are speaking to hearts and minds about Areas of our life that are not in alignment with your purpose and plan for us, God. For some, it's going to be our calendar. For some, it's going to be identifying what's actually important. For some, Lord, we know that there are things that need to be eliminated from our schedule. God, I pray right now that your Holy Spirit would give us the courage and the strength to recognize what those things are. And then the courage to make a decision, to take action, to remove those things that are keeping us from stepping into all that you have for us, God. Because your plans for us are good. 
Lord, you have so much that you want to give us. You have so much that you want to do through us. But we've, we've, been, we've, we've, we've stopped short of that, God, because we have too many things that are hindering us. God, help us to throw off everything that hinders us and help us to run with perseverance, God, the race you've set for us. Lord, whatever it is, you're dealing with people right now. And I just believe in this moment as I share that there are some people here today that recognize, you know what, I've made enough excuses, I've made a mess of my life, and it's time that I surrender control of my life to Jesus, that I bring my life into alignment so I can discover what his plan is for me. Because his plans are greater than your plans, I guarantee you. It's the adventure of a lifetime. You'll never regret the decision to follow Jesus. And so with all heads bowed and eyes closed, if that's you here today, I would just ask you to simply boldly raise your hand into the air so that I can see that response of faith. I see that hand over here. Is there anybody else? I see that hand back here towards the left. God bless you. I'm so proud of you. Over here in the right, anybody else? I see that hand in the middle, another hand in the middle here. God bless you. I'm so proud of you such a powerful moment as people are responding to that that moving that feeling they have on the inside which is the holy spirit drawing you one last opportunity anybody else want to begin a new chapter in their lives by surrendering their lives to jesus back here towards in the middle god bless you i'm so proud of you well church will you join those who are saying yes to jesus let's pray together say heavenly father thank you for sending jesus to die for my sin. I believe, God, that Jesus rose from the dead. Lord, bring my life into alignment with your purpose for me. Fill me with your Holy Spirit and give me the strength and the power to follow you, to serve you all the days of my life as I discover your purpose for me. Jesus, I let go of the wheel and I surrender my life to you. Take control. My life is not my own. I give it to you. In Jesus' name we pray. All God's people said amen. Let's make some noise. Welcome those born into God's family today. What a powerful day in God's house.